How you doing, Jackoffs? Welcome to this week's solo episode of the Union Jackoff. It is just me, Daniel Muggleton, the whole time. I figured, I figured, you know, it had been a while since I checked in with you guys, had a bit of a chat. Um, we got some great guests coming up at Edinburgh Fringe, don't worry about that. So there will be interviews with comedians from around the world. Uh, already locked a couple in. We're talking Ireland. I'm really hopeful to get Iceland, huh? That's pretty exotic. That's pretty fun. Uh, before that, I just thought, you know, sit down, catch up with you guys. This is like two weeks out of the festival. Uh, pretty hectic time for every comedian. I don't know if you guys are comedy fans or just fans of racial and national stereotypes. But if you are comedy fans, you probably noticed that all your favorite comedians are doing previews up and down the UK to crowds of anywhere between two and a hundred people, uh, probably closer to two, uh, to be honest, most of the time. Um, but yeah, they're trying to get their shows together. Uh, so I thought I'd have a chat with you guys. I've just got back from Northern Ireland this week. Uh, if you are new to the podcast and looking for an episode to listen to, I could not recommend Michael Legg more highly. I think it's episode 30. He is from Northern Ireland, but he's lived in London for about 20 years. Uh, super interesting chat with him, and I'd never been before. I'd I'd been to Ireland because uh, when I was a, when I was a younger man, when I was on exchange at university, I got invited to my friend Finn Kelly's house uh, in Offaly County, which is like the middle of Ireland. And like I don't look, I don't want to generalize about countries uh, more than I usually do, but I don't think in any country. The middle bit is the best bit. Like, generally, the closer you are to the coast, or like maybe like north, south, depending on where it's located in the world, that tends to be the highlight of the country. So, when someone says Midlands, no good. As Will talked about last week, the Midlands, nobody wants to be a part of the Midlands. They want to be a part of the north or the south. They want to pick a side. You go to the USA, the middle ain't great you go to australia there's not a lot in the middle i mean there's there's uluru there's there's that but outside of that not a lot not a lot to do and see actually if you are if you are an australian listener you'd be on top of this but if you're from around the world maybe not uh at the moment they're trying to ban all climb well they, they have banned all climbing of uluru that's coming into effect later this year because if you're unaware uh, uluru is basically a very spiritually significant place to various indigenous people in Australia. Uh, I, I actually don't know the specifics because like most white Australians, I'm incredibly ignorant about indigenous culture, which is something I'm trying to get better at. I'm not putting the cue in the rack. I am trying to get better, but I didn't, I didn't research this for this episode, but I think it does tie in to something like the dream, uh, the dream time which is uh, very significant to like their kind of spiritual history uh, and just in general. So they've been like, hey, you know how you stole all of our land. Could you maybe not just climb up this one bit for the view? Uh, we know that white people and tourists love climbing things, but we just thought it'd be cool if you guys could just kind of look at this one from the ground. Uh, and we were like, nah, probably not. Um, we're going to call it Ayers Rock too, by the way. At least we stopped that. I think nobody really calls it Airs Rock anymore. So that's exciting. But uh, yeah, Uluru, they've, they've finally managed to get it banned. But it's not till the end of the year. 
so what's happened is uh, everybody is just climbing it like more than they ever have like trying to get in while the getting's good you know what i mean like maybe maybe like before slavery was about to end like there was a whole bunch of like slave wheeling and dealing like this is this is a morally reprehensible thing but because it's about to get banned we may as well get involved early like you know i assume the same thing will happen when they inevitably ban twitter <laughs> because it is it is pure evil uh but just right at the end we're gonna make some celebrities be uh we're gonna we're gonna have, ruin their day with mean tweets um that that is that is a thought uh from a good friend of mine garrett millerick he will be on the podcast one day his show sunflower was one of the best shows edinburgh fringe last year his show smile this year uh getting getting a lot of hate around it so if you go into the edinburgh fringe please do check out my friend garrett millerick and when Sunflower is finally released as an album, uh, listen to his joke about Twitter because I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's happening in Australia. So it's like, hey, you know, this thing is definitely wrong. We've finally accepted that. Well, we're going to get in for as long as we humanly can. And apparently it's incredibly dangerous because that's one of the things with climbing all the route. Like it's not safe. Like there's no ropes or like tracks or anything because we're not going to mark it. Um, so people could just fall down and like die and like the, the number of people doing it at the moment is a dangerous number. So anyway, that's just, that's just a nice little example of, uh, Australia disrespecting indigenous culture yet again. Um, happy days all around there, muzzle top. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I went, I went to, I went to Northern Ireland uh, on Tuesday, played the, uh, the Belfast Empire. Uh, which is like their kind of main comedy room in Northern Ireland. Actually had a bit of Australian comedy vibes. They don't have much on the weekend, but they have shows uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, because it's just, it's not as popular a thing. I was on with a Dublin act and a local Belfast act, but they were both Catholic. How do I know that? Because you check, all right? When you're in Northern Ireland, you got to be on top of who's Protestant, who's Catholic. Uh, I got to say, apparently I, I did bad. I did, I did ask... I did ask the, the, the Twitters, the, the wide Twitterverse, about things that I shouldn't say in Northern Ireland because sometimes I can, you know, push things a little too far. But uh, the one thing I got told was to say that I prefer the yellow packet Tato crisps because apparently in Northern Ireland they're yellow and in I the Republic of Ireland they are blue or green or whatever dumb English color that is. Because um, that's the same as in the UK. In the UK, the cheese and onion is like blue. Whereas in Australia, it's yellow. So, you know, this time I'm repping Northern Ireland on this one. They've nailed the chip color packet. Uh, and weirdly, as I was leaving, there was a big delivery of those Tato chips right in front of me. All cheese and onion, all yellow. You can't make this shit up. But anyway, I just want to thank Liam for telling me that because I thought he was fucking with me. But then I told the crowd and they were happy. And I was like, beautiful. Uh, but the one thing that apparently I did badly, I said about Northern Ireland in Northern Ireland that they're part of the UK and that they're British which apparently they're not they're part of Ireland well they're separate to Britain they're just Northern Ireland on their own and they're Irish but they're not like Republic of Ireland Irish I don't know I thought I was doing the politest possible thing uh, but as it turns out not so much um, but yeah, nobody, nobody threw anything at me. Nobody yelled at me. I just got told this quietly by the headliner after the show uh, because he's a Northern Irish fella, uh, Catholic, but Northern Irish. 
And yeah, he was like, don't say that. They will get offended. But then I was talking to people after the show and they're like, if you said, if you called us Irish and you referred to us as part of Ireland, that would have offended some people as well. So I don't know. I guess I'm just saying Northern Ireland, tricky situation, right? Who would have thought after all this time, uh, after it's the main sticking point in Brexit, uh, after all the treaties, after everything going on, it's still too complicated for a young Australian boy with a heart of gold to come in and be like, hey, can I just refer to you guys as a group for the purposes of this joke? And they're like, no, you got to be more specific. But if you are more specific, either way, uh, you're going to offend somebody. Someone's always going to get offended. But still, I got to say, like, out of the headliner set, I understood very little. Like, not the accent thing per se, though, like a little bit of that. Because like the Northern Irish accent, I'd been warned it's very intimidating. I'd only come across it, you know, briefly in London and in the UK. But goddamn, the Belfast accent is threatening. They have a smile when they talk, but you're like, holy shit. I don't know if I, I, I don't want to cross you guys ever. Um, but yeah, he was, he was doing his set and he was like referring to like just these stereotypes that I was just nowhere near and like all these politicians that I had no idea about. Like, I like to think I'm kind of on top of most of that stuff. But like, yeah, there was like a lot of jokes about Sinn Féin, which I'm pretty sure Sinn Féin is for the Republic. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but it was just like referring to like specific people and like having, like being deported for a little bit and then being allowed to come back. And like something about people's eyes being too close together, which like, I don't know. I don't know like which group, I assume Protestant because he's Catholic, so he's making fun of the Protestants. But there was definitely, I, I, I talked to a couple of people after the show and their eyes were pretty close together. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's like offensive to say, but I did actually notice that before he mentioned it in his set and then afterwards as well. So I don't know. I don't know what the stereotype is. I don't know what the history is, but if you are in Belfast, check out check out some people not really filling out their sunglasses if you know what i'm saying uh but anyway the gig was cool i I enjoyed that i drank i drank guinness because i'm basic like that i was like fuck yeah i'm an island i'll have a few guinnesses and then i went to the chippy on the way home and by god i tell you like you know london is real full of itself but the chippy man nothing in london rivals the chippy uh if you don't know the chippy it is basically uh in any northern town or like in scotland i don't know about wales but i assume so and definitely northern ireland man there's just like a chippy it is like your late night it's your, it's the australian equivalent of the kebab joint in australia like our only late night food is mcdonald's and kebabs whereas in the uk uh it seems to be as, as soon as you're outside of london it seems to be like the chippy is probably like the latest latest open joint and basically, the qualification of the Chippy restaurant, they will sometimes do a pizza, but they will also sometimes deep fry some of that or all of that pizza. And they do serve it with chips as a side. And the other thing is, they just have a deep fryer. That's pretty much what they got. They've got multiple things they're willing to throw in the deep fryer for any amount of time. And I was a little bit drunk off this gig and I was like, well, I'm going to get the cheesy chips and curry, right? If you haven't had that, do it. It is the best. I don't know what the curry is. I don't really 
want to know. To be honest, it's this weird green color that definitely doesn't resemble any curry I've ever seen served at an Indian or even a Thai curry house. Maybe it resembles a Thai curry. I don't know. But it's delicious when combined with very, very, very cheap cheese and incredibly hot fried chips. It's a good time. If you're coming up to Edinburgh Fringe at all, definitely get around the chippy, cheesy chips and curry late at night. And the other thing is I overreached at this chippy because I got a chicken burger as well. And goddamn, it was monstrous. Like the fried fillet of chicken in the middle was the size of most London burgers. It was just epic. And I just like shoveled that shit into my mouth and loved every second of it in my hotel room with eight pillows and just little old me. Ridiculous, man. I don't know if you guys have the same experience, but basically whenever I'm in a hotel, it isn't like one star or something like that. You are getting about seven pillows per person, all slightly different sizes. I don't know if like people are much more choosy about how they sleep than I am, but like I don't need like the rectangular version of the pillow, the square version of the pillow, the hard version of the rectangle, and then like a weird kind of diamond one, and then maybe like a boomerang pillow just in case. Like and then but one like each. You know what I mean? Like if it's a if it's a queen bed, there's like four options for you and then the same four options for the other person using the room. Like at least make it just like six complete different pillows and like, you know, odds are you probably won't like the exact same kind of pillow. I don't know. I just think it's overkill. I just end up piling them up on one side and it makes me feel like I'm cheating on my fiance. And I'm not into that. All right. I'm a faithful fella. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want these large massive pillows in the bed with me. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my, that was my experience in Northern Ireland. Just like I genuinely didn't understand all of the comedy going on and this crowd fucking loved it. Uh, absolutely. His name what was it. Patty, Patty the Dagger. Patty McConnell. It sounds like a made-up Irish name, but I'm 99% sure that is actual name. He absolutely stormed it. And he has a tattoo of a dagger on his penis. Yeah. I heard that coming in. My friend was like, I'm pretty sure that's the guy with the tattoo of the dagger on his penis. And I was like, what? <laughs> why is that something you know? And why, ha- why wasn't that in the gig email? Just being like, oh, by the way, the headliner has a tattoo of a dagger on his penis. Probably don't ask him about it. So obviously, immediately, I asked him about it. And, oh, man, he told me the whole story. And he, like, apparently he has a show about it that he's going to bring back at some point. So keep an eye out. Patty McConnell is doing a show about how he ended up with a tattoo of a dagger on his penis. Uh, the one little teaser joke I'll give you. He's like, well, it was supposed to be a sword, but you know, when it's there. And I'm like, right there, buddy. That's a dick joke. You're a professional. I'm into it. Uh, but no, that was my that was my time in Northern Ireland. I'd love to go to um, just the Republic of Ireland as well to do a show just because Irish comedians, you talk to them, like they've got, a, they've got like a very different kind of style. It's a bit more chatty. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit more aggressive, I'd say. Like, you know, they kind of come out harder. Uh, and the crowd, the crowd's good, man. I had... I had a good old time out there. So thank you to the Empire Laughs Back. Oh yeah, that comedy show has been running like 20 years. So that is how long that pun has been relevant. Fucking crushed it. Good work, fellas. Uh, Not getting those kind of legs out of a Star Trek pun. Oh yeah. All right. 
So that was that. Um, and now just get into, I, I talked about, you know, last week. Last week I mentioned that I was going to talk about the Royal Shrove Tide football. And now it is time. And I've done, I've done a little bit of research. I've looked at it. I've looked around. And man, just to give you guys an idea of the kind of game this is, check out the rules. Committing murder or manslaughter is prohibited. Wow. <laughs> Thank God for that. And unnecessary violence is frowned upon. You can't get penalized, but it is frowned upon if you just randomly cold clock a dude while playing the game. Uh, the ball may not be carried in a motorized vehicle. I assume that's an updated rule, considering this game has been played for centuries. Uh, the ball may not be hidden. Cemeteries, churchyards, and the town memorial gardens are strictly out of bounds because they just play this in the main street of the town. That's the thing. Like, it's just like in the middle of the town. Like, it's not like in a park. It's just like on the high street, like just lined with all the shops. I watched a video of this thing. I'm going to watch a little bit uh, with you guys and describe some of it. But it's like, it's just imagine your little village high street and now it's just overrun with a very violent mob and like i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to suggest that there's not a lot of racial diversity in this mob but i did not see a single black person a single brown person a single asian person in the 10 minute video it is just white people who are very very scary looking and the game uh the other rule uh playing after 10 p.m is forbidden you know that's important you gotta have a time limit on it and to score a goal, the ball must be tapped three times in the area of the goal. Now, I didn't really see anything that resembled a goal. Like, it mainly just looked like violence. Like, kind of like, imagine a mosh pit at a concert without music, but with, like, way more violence. And, like, the people in there are much bigger and scarier than your regular mosh pit people. Um, but, yeah, so apparently it happened, this game... The, the Royal Shrovetide football or medieval football. Um, and it's been played in England since the 12th century. So this is like, this is when people were genuinely animals uh, and they're still playing it, which I think is absolutely batshit. Like, definitely ban it. <laughs> this is not something that should be allowed. Uh, it's it's often been credited as the origin for local derby because it's played in two towns in Derby. Uh, so you get the local derby from that. Um, some people reckon it's that. And some people said the game originated from... Well, it was initially played with the head of someone who was decapitated uh, and it was thrown into the crowd after an execution. Uh, but it's more likely that it was just an adaptation of some ball games. But basically... The teams are the upwards and the downwards, and they're not. There's no W's because I guess they hadn't invented W's yet when they came up with this game. But basically, I just wanna, I wanna give you guys like a quick little. You can probably hear it in the background a little bit. So they just throw this giant ball in. It's kind of like, I'll, I'll put the video in the description. Don't worry. But it's kind of like probably twice as big as a football, like twice as big in diameter. And there's, there's like these official game marshals who are dressed like council workers. And their job is essentially just to stop people killing each other randomly off the ball. And then everyone's just kind of wedged up against the walls of shops. 
like it's mainly men there's like a few women in there every now and again um but like they're all kind of wearing track suits and hoodies like they look like they're about to rob you on a mountain bike if you're looking for a visual and then they just kick the ball in and then everybody just rushes that person tackles them to the ground there's like a car that's parked in the street it's got a window smashed <laughs> for some reason and then yeah that's screaming because like people are just killing each other but i think the weirdest bit is like they get the ball to a certain area and they just kind of hold it there and then the crowd forms around them and then people just like wearing boots just run on top of the crowd like so just like imagine instead of like crowd surfing you're just kind of using them as the ground like just kind of jumping from shoulder to shoulder and then like tackling into another guy and then the guy protecting the ball will tackle it into you oh sorry will tackle you like away from the ball and then you guys just kind of get into a fist fight on top of the crowd and the crowd drops you and then you're just in the ground and i guess you just kind of break it up and then you kind of go back to your different teams i don't know how they know who's on each team like there's absolutely no uniform at all like it seems to be like kicking's allowed as well. Like some people kind of like stomp each other and all the storefronts are just boarded up, uh, which I assume is to protect people from the glass windscreens while, rather than just because the town's in a bit of a dire financial position. But and the craziest bit that I saw um, was like they're kind of holding the ball in a doorway and there's like four dudes kind of guarding it and then everybody's just kind of like trying to jump in and like punch them or tackle them or kick them to get to the ball. And they just kind of got it wedged in. But there's just this exposed cabling hanging above the shop because it's the UK and like they just don't... They don't really nail it in terms of like electrical cabling. Like it's not particularly safe. It's been there for a long time. They're just kind of interwound and like exposed to the elements. And people are just hanging on to that to kind of get leverage so they can try to kick the ball out of the guy's hand. And it's like... There's like 10, 15 cables in this knot. Like... They look like if it, if any of the insulation bursts, they're just going to die. Like, I don't know, man. It just seems like, like, I don't know. Maybe this is just my like uptight little Australian. I'm used, I'm used to incredibly strict laws and all that. But this has to be banned. Like, this is insane. Like, it's kind of like playing a game of rugby on top of a crowd at a concert. If that makes sense. There's like an actual just kind of people running and tackling each other on top of people that are just there getting stomped on. I don't know what they're contributing to the game, but yeah, it's absolute mayhem. Um, but thank you for to Jake for pointing that out. The the Royal the Royal Shrove Tide. Um absolutely insane. Uh he comes from the Midlands, so maybe he's seen it live. If you have seen it live or you've participated in the thing, or know someone who has, please get in touch with me at the Union Jack Off or the Union Jack Off at gmail.com. I would love to hear what it's actually like in the in the thick of it. Because the video, like just most people who are competing hard are bleeding. Like they just are. Just like on each other. There seems to be like no doctors or anything. Like, I don't know. Absolute chaos. English traditions, man. I guess I guess with like 800 years of history, you kind of have to keep it going. But I don't know. I think I think as a as a world we can lose it. But uh, I'll definitely post that for you. Um, 
in the description of this episode. Royal Shrove Tide Football. And if you know any other bizarre English traditions, my eyes have been opened. I want to hear about them. Let's go with that. Uh, the other thing that I needed to get from last week was Will Chegwidden, your boy with the most English name in the world. Will Chegwidden sounds like a J.K. Rowling character, but not one of the not one of the magicians, just some kind of muggle who's involved in the whole thing. Uh, he was talking about the Antipodean as a term for Australia and New Zealand. Um, which uh, Antipodes means literally the other side of the world. So if you're to draw like through the globe, I don't know. I don't know if any flat earthers listen to this podcast, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you for expanding your horizons. Um, there are obviously no Antipodes on the flat earth because it's all flat and underneath is just the crust and the lizard people. Um, but, you know, I don't want you to feel excluded from this segment. So just imagine it is a globe for the purposes of this, even though obviously there's no proof. Uh, <laughs> so the antipodes they say uh english people uh uk people say that about australia and new zealand we're referred to as the antipodeans um i don't think that is extended to you know fijians or polynesian people i don't know uh please please correct me if you've if you're a samoan or a tongan who's been called an antipodean over here i'd love to hear from you um but I've looked it up, and I thought this was true, but I just wanted to make sure I nailed it. Australia has no antipodes with England or the UK, like none, apart from like Bermuda, apparently. Uh, we've got one with Portugal. I've got some, uh, some islands that belong to Colombia and Canada. Australia has absolutely none. And New Zealand... What do they have? They have Spain, Portugal, Morocco, and Gibraltar. And then a few islands off France and things like that. So, it's just not true. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. There are other countries that have, like, proper antipodes um, with each other. But, like, the exact antipodes, like, yeah, Christchurch in Spain. So, like, I don't know what the Spanish word for antipodes is, but if they want to say that, that's totally legit um madrid and stuff like that and then like a bunch of the south american countries like ecuador and colombia go with indonesia but again man it's just those brits using terms to sound fancy even though they're completely wrong they haven't updated their map in a while or done any research but anyway i just wanted you guys to know it's a ridiculous term uh, but I'm still totally advocating the campaign for Australian people to refer to British people in Australia and New Zealand as Antipodeans. Let's flip it on them. Uh, we can do it. They'll be confused. They'll be like, wait, but we're the center of the world. And we'll say, no, you're actually not. Because it, then you'd be Antipodes with yourself. Oh, yeah. Geometry joke. Bang. Um, all right, so that was the Antipodes thing covered. I hope everybody uh, understands that one. And now the final thing, I asked, I asked a couple of listeners um, if they wanted me to answer any questions today. Uh, first things first, just a quick shout out to my good friend and comedian Virginie Fontin, Forti, something like that. It's French, Canadian. I don't quite know how to say it, but she's a very good friend of mine. I met her at Edinburgh. She's incredibly famous in French Canada, and I really want to get her on the podcast at some point. Huge in Montreal, massive in Quebec, 
we want her. We want her involved uh, because it sounds like a really interesting scene out there just because like it's quite small and quite self-contained. She gets a bit of fame in France, but like nothing crazy. And then she'll come across to Edinburgh Fringe and she'll perform to like 10 people. Like, whereas, you know, in, in Quebec, she's doing her own tours uh, and, you know, she's selling out like thousand seat theaters on the regular. She's on a bunch of different TV shows. Uh, but that just doesn't translate into English speaking, at least at this point. Um, but no, I always, I always find it really interesting to chat to her just because she's got like a very kind of unique perspective on comedy, I guess, because within the smaller scene, like there's less, you know, comparisons between different countries. Uh, there's, there's less competition in the sense of like nobody's really going over to Quebec to take spots from French Canadians. And I guess it's just a very local scene. Um, so yeah, I'd love to have her on the podcast, but she got at me on Instagram being like, make sure you say my name because I want involved. I want in, I want in on the union Jack off. And I'm like, whenever you are next in London, it is on that's happening. But now the final question just from my boy Dash. Uh, he asked me about Edinburgh Fringe. I know we speak about Edinburgh Fringe a lot on this podcast. I try not to keep us bringing it up just because I'm sure you've heard enough. Uh, but he's got a couple of questions for me just as it is in the lead up. Uh, what have you learned from previous Edinburgh Fringes that you're looking to apply at this time around? Uh, this is this goes against everything that I stand for. But last year, I was I was staying with Another Australian comedian, a quite famous YouTube comedian, Alex Williamson, also known as the Loose Aussie Bloke, also known as Shooter Williamson. Uh, I was staying with him and he had this like weird echinacea throat spray. Because uh, if you, Edinburgh Fringe, I think most people, I won't say everybody, but most people tend to lose their voice at least at some point during the Fringe because... Uh, you're doing an hour a day minimum on stage, usually probably closer to an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, and then you're chatting with people off stage, you're flyering your show. There's a lot of talking, basically. And uh, last year, he had this echinacea spray and I was like, man, what's this stuff? And he's like, give that two sprays just twice a day and you will not lose your voice for the whole festival. And I was like, get out of here, you goddamn hippie. You probably live on one of those canal boats, right? Wrong. I did it. Against my better judgment, I gave New Age Medicine a go and it totally worked. I did not lose my voice at all last year, even though I could be found in the artist bars till late at night most evenings. Uh, so this year, I will be doing the absolute first stop of going to this weird New Age chemist and getting myself some Echinacea throat spray so I can get through it. Uh, other than that, I think the one the one thing with Ed Fring, Edinburgh Fringe that's really hard is you just do like so many spots. Like I know that to anyone who has like a regular job, you're kind of like, what are you talking about? You do like an hour at a time, maybe like 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. But it really does like just kind of stack up. And like by the end of it, you're pretty much numb. Like I know that most people think like speaking to a crowd is like a very like uh, nerve wracking experience. But... For comedians, you, you do get quite used to it, especially if it's like in a familiar setting, like, you know, you're in the same room every day. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not being recorded. It's not like for any specific 
kind of like TV show or anything. Like you're not trying to impress like any kind of new people. Uh, it's just like a crowd of people and you kind of feel quite comfortable um, talking to them once you've been doing this for a while. So you get a bit numb. So that's like the one thing uh, this year I'm trying to just keep not do too many shows. Like last year I did about 90 in 24 days or 25 days, however long it is. And by the end of it, you're just a bit cooked mentally. Like I'm not, not necessarily that the shows are bad, but maybe you're just not as present um, as you could be. So this year I'm just going to try to not overcommit to different things so I can keep focused with my own show. And the other thing is just with my own show this year, usually I just go up and I try to be as funny as possible for an hour. Uh, just, you know, nothing nothing particularly showy about it. It's just me talking for longer than usual. Uh, but this year I am trying to make it a little bit more like a show. So you guys kind of come out. I don't know if audiences like that. Like in the industry, that is very much what people want, uh, especially reviews. Like for reviewers, you're expected to kind of give them a clear theme of the show that they can then go away and write about. And, you know, that's that's what uh, we are advised to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if you have seen Edinburgh shows or if you're a big comedy fan and you like going to see hours of comedy and stuff like that, does it matter to you if the show has a theme? Does it matter if it has a narrative arc? Does it matter if it has a message? Like, is that something you look for? Or is it something that just kind of takes away from like, hey man, I'm just here to laugh for a bit. I don't give a shit what you think about climate change. You know, I don't know. I'm giving it a go this year, but I would be genuinely curious to see what you guys think because we kind of get caught up in the industry thing, especially at Edinburgh, which is very much an industry showcase that is funded by the good people of the public like yourselves. Uh, but yeah, if you, you know, if you have an opinion on that, if you want meaning, if you need meaning, if you like it when someone talks about their dad dying, let me know. Or if you just prefer lots of silly hats. Silly hat after silly hat. The big finale is the silliest hat. You know, that's fine too. But just let me know what you reckon. Um, and the other thing, Dash asks is what am I looking to achieve from this Edinburgh run? Uh, I'm in a bigger room this year, probably twice the size of last year. So I'm looking to kind of fill that. Because I've been, I was filling the smaller one. I'd like to fill the bigger one. It's nothing crazy. It's like 60 seats. Uh, 4 p.m. at the Counting House. Uh, the show is called Pimpin' Ain't Easy, but I reckon it's easier for straight white men. Um, if you know anyone, please do send them along. It's a free show. So you don't book tickets. You just turn up on the day, line up, and guarantee your seat. Usually, if you come like 15 minutes before the show, that's good. Uh, 15, 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking, I'm looking to fill the room. Uh, I'm looking to make a show that I'm, I'm happy with in terms of like an hour, like this is an hour long show that kind of is self-contained, uh, I guess. Cause like my, my very first hour I did, uh, a while ago was like a story thing and I hated it. I did it cause I was like, Oh, this is what you're supposed to do. And I did it and it was about me breaking my tooth a bunch of times. I've broken my front tooth six times and I used that as like a narrative beat and I just like said all these things that had nothing to do with it and then brought it back to the tooth and it was just and like about filling in a form and like whether I can write that I'm a comedian on a form that says, what's your occupation? Ugh, even just saying it out loud, I'm embarrassed for myself. But 
uh, I didn't enjoy that experience. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. I don't need to do a narrative. I can just kind of do something that's self-contained thematically, like talking about similar things. Uh, this one, um, it's kind of about a bit about wokeness but not in that kind of pretentious way, just kind of talking about, you know, I think I'm a pretty woke guy, but that doesn't mean I'm not still an asshole. And then talking about whether it's better to be a victim or a hero, um, which, which sounds dicey, but I promise you I handle it well, I think. I think my position on that is pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, I just, I want to be able to, I want to be able to end that, um, and just people walk out being like, yeah, that was, that was an hour long show. That wasn't 50 minutes of a guy, a funny guy talking. That was an hour long show. And I'm glad we saw the whole thing. And that was enjoyable. And the other thing, this is very, very vain. Uh, what am I looking to achieve? Uh, I, want, I want a four star review, dude. Just like I, I get horrifically bad reviews across the board. If you, apart from you guys, obviously on the podcast, nine reviews five stars every time what a king um but yeah for like my comedy i just tend to get bad reviews um a lot of like it's funny a lot of people get very good reviews the whole time uh and some comedians just seem to rub reviewers the wrong way and that is me uh they do not like me but i just this year i'm kind of like no come on we can do it we got the little we got little show structure they like we got we got some good jokes i think I reckon we can nail one four-star review. So then, you know, my, my parents can have some kind of metric for the quality of my comedy. Um, but yeah, so that that's just a genuine thing. Um, I would like that. It would make me happy just to prove them wrong. Um, but yeah, so that's all. But it should be, it should be good, man. It should be exciting uh, at Edinburgh this year. Um, if you haven't come up, I highly recommend it, man. I know as performers, we complain about it a lot because it is kind of annoying in that we kind of bear the brunt of the cost and the risk and the reward in terms of industry stuff is not as present as it once was, but as a punter, as someone who just likes comedy and seeing things, I could not recommend anything more. There is just stuff all day, every day, so much quality is free like not just me <laughs> so many really good comedians do free shows and you can really discover some cool shit because one thing when i was drunk in belfast eating my chippy food i was watching the tv and mock the week was on and man it was not very funny um i you know tv is very sanitized like i think that's just because, you know, who, who still watches TV? Like, I don't... I've been in the UK 18 months. I don't have a TV license. Pretty much zero Australian people that I know over here have a TV license. Very few English people I know over here have a TV license. Like, it's pretty much for old people, man. Old people who can't afford to go down the pub uh, have to sit at home and watch TV. Um, and so, it's just a bit naff, you know? Like, it's just a bit old, not particularly exciting... Whereas I think if you go to Edinburgh, you see the comedians who are actually working. Like they're working regularly. They probably haven't got their big break yet, especially if they're in one of the smaller rooms. So they're doing things that they genuinely think people will find interesting. 
And, you know, odds are you will find some of them interesting. Like some of them are absolutely great. Like a lot of a lot of the past guests from the show will be there. I, I've done a preview with Tom Horton, your boy who lives in the Tower of London. We did a preview over in Wales. And man, I reckon his show this year is going to be awesome. Uh, Tom Horton. It's called what? That's that's what we go to school for or that's what I went to school for. Um, definitely check it out. And then if you just want some little Australian suggestions, I do love my boy Aaron Chen. I think he's real funny. Uh, he's doing a show called Piss Off Just Kidding. Uh, and then if you want something a bit crazier, you can check out Demi Lardner or Tom Walker, both very bizarre comedians. Uh, go watch them if you dare. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is really great. So do go up, do check it out. Don't be priced out by the locals who are just driving up those rents. And those Airbnb prices every single year, just keep coming at, keep coming out and supporting live comedy. Oh, oh, one of the most tedious lines to say as a performer or an MC in a comedy show, but the sentiment is real. Please do keep coming out and supporting it. Uh, or if you don't feel like doing that, jump on Amazon and listen or watch my special. Yeah. Let's never hang out. Uh, I'm still getting cool feedback off people. Uh, George messaged me this week saying he listened and loved it. Um, I appreciate that. But if you want to watch it on Amazon Prime, it is free. Uh, and if you would like to give it a little five-star review, that would be much appreciated. Um, because that looks good. People want those things. People who can give me stuff people can help my career out they see the five stars they're like oh this guy's all right this guy's what we want in a in a performer um yeah i don't know i think that's i think that's all i all i had to chat to you about this week um i hope you enjoyed having me rant a little bit solo it's something it's something i'd like to do a little bit more of maybe i can do it as extra episodes and not take away from the interviews because I do enjoy hearing from different comedians. Uh, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious about these different countries. I'm curious about how they find this place. Um, as a guy that I really want to get, he's from Zimbabwe. He lives over here now, but he's from from Zimbabwe. I want to get him, but he lives up in like Norwich or Norfolk or one of those one of the one of those places that definitely uh, I am not going to unless I'm well paid. <laughs> Um, but anyway, thank you so much for tuning in, Jerkoffs, yet again. Thank you to Dash, Jake, and William uh, for offering up some questions. Give me some stuff to talk about. I'll be back next week with the regular format with a guest. But until then, cheers, mates. Have a good one. I'll catch you next time. Yeah.